can't even comprehend. Do you hear that, North Lake? I want to encourage you uh, that as you are here, and uh, uh, I told you that I was going to be doing this, uh, there was a church in 2002, in the summer, that began calling on the name of the Lord. They began to come together and call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord sent Jill and I here. We have been a church that God has called us here to have prayer as a core value. It's not something that originated with us. It was already here when we came. <laughs> and I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. God is just beginning here. We need to get on our knees. We are preparing our war room, the North Lake prayer room. <laughs> if you've not yet looked at it, look down the hall as you're coming in this side of the the church, look to the left, it's there. Uh, we are preparing it, and I am asking you to make that room filled. Fill it on Sunday at 9 a.m. <laughs> Call on the name of the Lord as we are through this transition. I understand that there are uh, uh, a little bit of apprehensions. We are too. But understand, God is in control. It's his church. This isn't a time for sorrow or panic. It's a time to give glory to God, to look and to see what he is doing. So I am going to implore you, let's get on our knees like never before and see what God will do. God has got good things. God has got great things for North Lake Church, and Jill and I desperately pray for you to pray with us as we continue asking the Lord what it is that he is wanting us to do. We are excited about this series that we're on, Encounters with Jesus. North Lake, I am so passionate about what God wants to do here. I, I tell you, I hope you hold on to your seats because these messages that God is putting on my heart, I feel like during the week I'm going to burst. <laughs> so I'm going to ask as we get ready and uh, as we, we say what we normally uh, say in preparing our hearts to hear from the Lord, I want to pray. I want to ask God to to uh, not, not just a prayer for you, a prayer for the church in America. I do not believe its days are behind her. I believe its days are ahead of her. I believe God is going to call a remnant up. And I am praying and believing that. Let's get ready as we hear the word of God and then I'm going to pray this book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray in Jesus' name 
over your church here at North Lake and all around where you have placed your church, that God, we would hear the word of the Lord, that we would begin, Lord, to walk in the strength and the power of your might, not in our strength, not in our wisdom. And God, guard our hearts from pride and arrogance. God, let us be humble servants, but filled with the power of your might. That God, people would see the name of Jesus and lift high your name. That the kingdom of God would be advanced like never before. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And we will rob hell of the grave and we will bring people to the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray, I ask in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord... I ask like they did in Joel. I call on your name as they did in Habakkuk. I am praying, Lord, that your spirit one more time will move for your glory. That your name will be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. As we talk about Jesus' encounters... There's some, want, some real important things for us to grab hold of. Number one, we are looking through the gospel of Luke and we are looking only at the life of Jesus because he is our example. He is the one we look to. Jeff, it's so good to have you here. God bless you. God bless you. I am thrilled to have you here. Praise the Lord. And we are believing for God to bring healing in that leg. Hallelujah. But it is important that we understand Jesus has laid for us an example for us. He's laid before us an example for us to follow. An example, and I'm going to show this in the, in the scripture, that we would follow after him. Not that we are gods, but we are filled with his spirit. <laughs> and, and that we understand Jesus has laid an example before us that we would go forth in his power, that we would be the church he's called us to be. And so uh, then it's good for us to not only recognize he is our pattern, but to recognize and pray, God, now, where have you placed and called me, and how am I being a part of your kingdom? Today we are looking at Jesus' encounters and we're looking at the life of a fisherman. Jesus encountered Peter, the fisherman, the person that was quick to be out there and bold and just doing what he thought. And Jesus encountered him and he never was the same again. And God worked with him and continued with him, and then filled him with his spirit, and used him for the glory of God. 
That story of Peter was never meant to remain in the pages of the Word of God. That was to be on the pages of the church's heart that we also, regardless of where we have been, regardless of our background, regardless of where is it we have lived, the same God that apprehended Peter would apprehend us and work by the power of his might to change your family, to change your workplace, to change your schools. Oh, pastor, that's crazy. No, that's God. That is, you look and you read, that is the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is power. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is change. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom because people have been set free. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, let's look at the Gospel of Luke. Talking about Peter. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he said, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And ask him to put out a little way from the land. And he began to sit down and began to teach the multitudes from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. And their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at the feet, at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. One thing is true about having an encounter with Jesus, you will never remain the
the same. You will not be the same. We are going to talk about that as we go through this. And again, I want to draw our attention to those two things, that Jesus is our example, but that also Jesus has released us in place of him. And he is now at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. Hallelujah. So the first thing we're going to look at is the first three verses. And I want to talk to you about this simple thing. Jesus is aware of who you are and where you are. This is not a play on words. This is Jesus is aware of what's inside of you. He is aware of all your failings, all your strengths, all your character traits, your giftings, your talents. Jesus is aware. There's nothing that is not set before him. And then he is also aware of where you are right now. He is aware of that. This is very important because I'm going to make a statement I haven't made for quite a while, one that you may not even remember, but this is one that bears repeating. Jesus, and for all of you gamers that, that uh, I know that people my age can't really game, okay? <laughs> I admit it. Uh, but when I was younger, our gaming was space invaders. How many of you relate to me at least? <laughs> okay, so let, let, me, let me say, if, if you're here and you don't know what that is, Google it and look it up, okay? <laughs> but what I'm going to tell you is Jesus in this passage of Scripture, these three verses, invades Peter's space. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Jesus is a space invader. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he will come and he will invade your space. He is interested in knowing about you and uh, being around and encountering you. And so if you have not yet been aware of him, be on the lookout. <laughs> Because he will invade your space. Here Peter was. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He simply had parked his boat there. <laughs> and Jesus being around. Did you see the scripture? There was multitudes of people. But Jesus took the time to enter Simon's boat. Two things. Jesus is a friend of sinners. I, I will say this very strong. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be showing the love and concern for the lost not 
holding signs that says God hates you. God hates you is signs of religion. <laughs> God's compassion reaches the lost where they are and loves them and shares the truth as Jesus did to the adulterous woman and then after ministering to her said, now, go and sin no more. Amen? My point is this. The sinner does not need us to hate them. The world already despises them and uses them. <laughs> Jesus loves them and came and died for them. We've got to show them the love of Jesus. So Jesus is a friend of sinners, and yet he got into the boat. And I will tell you, just like Jesus got into Peter's boat, he will get into your boat. He will invade your space. He will invade your space by the Holy Spirit asking and, and uh, encouraging you to do the things of the Word of God and the things of the Lord. And believe me, if you think that someone can be relentless, you've never seen the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he is relentless. And uh, he has a way of continuing until you give. <laughs> there are many scriptures that I have placed up here of the fact that Jesus ministers to those who the world sometimes disregards. And sometimes religious people disregard. But the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And I am asking that the remnant of those that have been saved and are purchased by the blood of Jesus would begin reaching out to those and showing them the love of Jesus like never before. He is a friend of sinners, and he saw Simon in all of who he was, and he got into his boat. So expect Jesus to get into your boat. And then the other thing that I ask, Jesus set an example for us. And it's one that we truly need to ask ourselves, Lord, am I being a friend? friend of sinners? Am I seeing them through the eyes of Jesus? Jesus in the book of Matthew says he looked out among the multitudes and he saw them as helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And sometimes in my flesh and in religion, our flesh will see them as annoying and a hindrance. That's not the attitude of Jesus. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. And it just to drive home the point that Jesus knows who you are and where you are. 
move ahead to, G to Peter walking all that time with Jesus, all that time during his ministry, even to the point of the washing at the feet and then the Passover feast. He shared the most intimate meal you could share. And then, if that weren't enough, even told Peter before it happened that he was going to fail him. And Peter still couldn't hold it together. And you don't think God knows who you are? I'm telling you, I have, I have said things uh, in all sincerity to the Lord, saying, God, I am going to do this only to find my flesh is miserably failing. <laughs> and all I can do is say, God, move through me and accomplish your desire. Move through me. I'm willing if you will empower me. And that's how it gets done, by his strength, by his power, and by us yielding to him. Praise the Lord. And in this passage of Scripture, what I want you to see is this is where Peter failed the Lord, where he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He denied the Lord three times. And listen to what it says. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, sometimes maybe we've read that Scripture to say the Lord turned and looked at Peter. That's not what happened. The Lord turned. And with the love that only the Father could have, had compassion and loved him and said, I love you. And it broke Peter, and Peter repented and was drawn to Jesus. Praise the Lord. God knows who we are, and he knows where we are. Amen? So allow him to invade your space. Don't be afraid. Don't be trying to think, and we can't hide from God anywhere. The psalmist tells us that in Psalm 139. I didn't put that one on there, but if you're taking notes, it'd be a good one to write down. Because the psalmist writes, where can I go where your presence isn't there? <laughs> you know, God knows, but also in that passage of Scripture, you're going to find at the beginning, the psalmist makes a statement, God, you know me, and you search me. And at the end, he says, God, search me. Willingly opening his heart. That's where God wants us to be. All right, number two. Let's look. Verses four through seven. Here's something we need to understand. Jesus involves himself in people's interests and issues. Here, how easy it would have been for Jesus to get into the boat and be totally unconcerned about what Peter wanted. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus was sharing the word of God 
Jesus certainly didn't have to give Peter one fish. You hear what I'm saying? But he knew and was concerned about Peter even in those interests. If you ever wondered, I wonder if God really cares where I am. I wonder if God really cares about my work, about my family, about my what's happening and what concerns me. No, right now, Jesus is concerned. And he knows. He knows everything that concerns you, he's concerned about. Because he loves you. You're the apple of his eye, the scripture says. And so, Jesus involves himself in the lives of Peter. And you look through all of Scripture. I've listed so many there. Time after time after time, Jesus, you find him involving himself in the lives of people. Jesus knew Peter wanted fish. And Jesus... Knowing that did a miracle. Here Peter had worked all night. Peter expresses it. Lord, I mean, now, if Peter was just like me, I love to fish, but I have to be honest. My real knowledge compared to people that really are fishermen is laughable. Okay? I am a recreational fisherman, if even at that level. Okay, But there are people that know, and Peter was one of those seasoned people. He was one that did it all the time. He knew that lake like the back of his hand. There wasn't a place you could take him where he didn't know and had been. He had fished that lake. He had been in partners with people that had fished that lake. He knew when he said to the Lord, look, Lord, we've fished all night. They probably were at every place he ever knew where he caught a bunch of fish. He probably said, John, let's go here. I remember last time, let's go here. They worked all night. They caught nothing. Jesus did a miracle. And I am telling you, Jesus still does miracles. And he's wanting to do that. And why is it that Jesus does things that are totally unexplainable and that you know that God has intervened because it pulls others in. Look what happened. He's talking to Peter and he tells Peter, let down your net. Go ahead and then listen to what happens. It says that the sons of Zebedee also had to be pulled into what Jesus was doing. And it says to the point where the miracle affected them. Their boat began to sink. Now, if again, if, if that was something, I mean, they not only caught a bunch of fish, they were overwhelmed. Think about that. They had so much fish, they didn't know what to do with them. 
the only way they got those fish to the shore was a miracle. It was a miracle. And Peter, recognizing that, falls to his knees and says, Lord, I am a sinful man. Move away from me. I, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Praise the Lord. Well, can I tell you that Jesus states in his word that not only is it just Peter he was concerned about and that he involves himself with, but listen to this. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Five sparrows, two cents. The, the analogy there is who would even care about which one is one and two and three and four and five? I mean, it's two cents. I don't even know if you can buy anything with two cents anymore. <laughs> I mean, I remember I used to go to the store as a kid and, and uh, bazooka bubble gum, I believe, was two, three cents. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure maybe at some point, somewhere, someone has sold something for a cent, but I don't remember it. <laughs> maybe I'm not as old as I think I am. <laughs> but he says, are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Unbelievable care. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. And then here's the thing. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Praise the Lord. The point is this. The work of the kingdom is messy. Jesus got involved in people's lives. If we are going to do the work of the church, North Lake, it's going to be messy. The days of isolation and thinking that I am to live my life and simply make it to heaven on my own is never a concept you will see in the scripture. If we are really to be a part of what God is wanting us to do, just as Jesus involved himself in the life of Peter, a sinner, so we must involve ourselves in the life of those God has given us a sphere of influence over. Because if we don't do it, who will? Jesus took time, and at times the work of the kingdom is messy. How many times the Lord had to tell his disciples, are you still not getting this? Are you still not getting this? Are you still not getting this? God's patience with me is amazing.
All right, number three. We're going to look now at verses 8 through 11. And this is the thing that really matters. Jesus' involvement causes action and change. There is never a place where Jesus encounters anyone where something doesn't change. When Jesus interacts, there is change and there is action. Here's the problem. In this passage of Scripture, we see a wonderful thing, and that is that Peter responded. When Jesus encountered him, when Jesus had involvement, Peter repented. But I will tell you, although some will receive salvation, others will harden their hearts. And see, this is sometimes where Jesus didn't get hung up on this, and I think us in our natural, we get hung up. Sometimes we get hung up because we're disappointed. Sometimes we get hung up because it's pride, thinking that we're somehow going to save people, thinking that somehow we have done it. And I tell you that God's Word is faithful. Now, I didn't give you this scripture on your reference, but I want you to write these down. I've got four scriptures I want you to write down for you who are doing uh, notes. Because Jesus' involvement in causing action and change, he, his word will not return to himself void. Isaiah 55, 11. The word of God makes it clear that when God sends his word out, it won't return to him void. See, here's the deal. God's word, when it goes out, is meant for the purpose of causing decision. Now, the decision is up to the vessel. And God does and continues, continues, continues to try to draw as many as possible. But there are those that we read about in Scripture, and I have listed here. If you think, and I want to highlight also chapter 9 and 11 of John, because as Jesus is doing a miracle in the blind and in Lazarus, which is what 9 and 11 is about, 9 is about the man born blind, 11 is about Lazarus. While Jesus is doing those incredible things, there are those that are hardening their hearts right before him and are angry and that shut down. But God's word is still going forth. The fact is, is that you do not remain the same. When Jesus has an encounter, you do not remain the same. A decision is being called for. I gave you Isaiah 55, 11, write down 1 Kings 18, 21. And Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 35. 
And the last one, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse number 21. Just as Jesus' involvement causes action and change, if we are truly going in the power and in the name of Jesus, as you are living your life, there's going to be people that are called to action and change. And what I want you to see is you are not responsible for the results. You are responsible to tread the word of God out. And Jesus says in John's Gospel 20, verse number 21, As the Father has sent me, I send you. See, we the church are the hands and feet of Jesus. And just as Jesus was speaking his Father's word, we also need to speak the word in love and trust God that decisions would be made. But Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34 and 35, don't think I've come to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring a sword to divide even father and mother. Husband and wife. Kids and their parents. He says members of our own household will be at war with one another. Why? Because the gospel causes decision. The gospel, and that's God's purpose. I, I'm not trying to tell you to just buck up and bear it. I understand that sometimes that's a burden that only God can help you bear. But I also am telling you this, that you take a load off. How is it that we are going to see the kingdom of God bring hundreds to salvation when we simply realize that Jesus has called us to go just as he went? God has never intended for us to be spectators the kingdom of God is a kingdom of participators. The kingdom of God is a work that sometimes gets messy. It sometimes means that we have to be involved. And as God helps us to be involved, we see the life and the power and the miracles of the gospel. But I will tell you, there's no other way to live. Listen to what the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. You are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills. That means religion will kill. 
but the Spirit gives life. Who qualifies you for such work? Jesus. God will. The reason that Jesus said in the Gospels, greater things will you do because I'm going to the Father, is because you are the church. We are the church. And God's Spirit that works in Him will work in everyone here. Every believer can have that same experience. So I want to encourage you, number one, are you involved in the kingdom work or have you isolated yourself? Are you simply sitting on the sidelines saying, well, the Lord will call somebody to that? Or are you saying, God, I'm going to gather every gift and talent you've given me and I'm going to use it for the glory of the Lord. God's calling his church, every one of us, to be a part of the kingdom. And then the second question is, Lord, am I going out as the Father sent you? Am I realizing that my steps are ordered by God? I'm a child of God. I'm not just here to live my life for myself. I'm here to because you have called me with purpose. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know, Pastor Brian, what you're talking about, it sounds wonderful, but I don't know if I've ever had a Jesus encounter. All it takes is for you to say yes to Jesus. That's what starts the encounter. If you say yes to the Lord, he starts the encounter right there. I'm going to ask you just as our children come in and find their parents to get ready for communion, they're joining us today. I, I think that this is very healthy. We're just going to quickly partake of communion. But I want to ask the question, Just quickly bow your head and I want to ask, is there anyone here you would say, I need to respond. I'm hearing the Lord call me. I know Jesus is speaking to me. I need to give my heart to him. I need to have that encounter. Anyone here, I want you to slip your hand up and say, yes, will you pray with me? I need Jesus. Praise the Lord. Then I would ask as we are partaking of communion and as we are remembering the work that Jesus has done for us, I want to leave this slide up here. And as you are evaluating and the word of God says we need to examine ourselves before God about being in the kingdom of God, first of all. And I say you don't need to be a member of North Lake Church to participate in communion. Church membership won't do anything for you. What I do ask according to the word of God is that you know him personally as your savior. If you know him, you're, you're welcome to participate in communion.
But the point is this. As you evaluate yourself, ask yourself, Lord, have I isolated myself or am I fully engaged in the work of the kingdom? Am I ready to say, God, you've sent me in places, schools, workplaces, my home, the influences you've given me, and I want to be involved in kingdom work, not earthly things. And then, God, am I going out recognizing I'm a child of God, not just a brick in the wall? Gentlemen, come. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I ask you just focus on those two questions.